How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back to the Shape Through Fake podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Hope you've been enjoying the content thus far. Today's going to be a long one. It is going to be a long one. Uh, today's guest is Bear. He's the manager at the Anvil, which is a rock bar and music venue in Bournemouth. He is the front man in the band Thum. So here's Thum. So that's Thum. If you want to check them out, go to Spotify and search Thum. T-H-U-U-M. What else does Bear do? He does a lot of gaming and he streams over on Twitch. He's got his own channel, which is called Bear Essentials, which is Essentials with a Z at the end of it. He also does the Bear Pit, which is on the Bloodstock Festival page. So go and check out those if you like to be entertained. So yeah. Here we go. It's going to be a long one, the longest one yet. Not much editing went into this because I wanted you to hear the whole conversation. So hopefully you enjoy it and thanks for listening. I'll see you again next week. Enjoy. Shake Through Fake Podcast. I am joined today by Bear. He's the manager at the Anvil. He's in a band. He's a streamer. He's a, a wrestling fanatic, I think it's fair to say. Uh, yes, there is, and thank you for having me on the show. No worries. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Nice uh, nice drizzly English Saturday afternoon. What's not, yeah. not, not to love? <laughs> I'm actually more of a fan of it, because where I sit to do these, I've got a window right in front of me, so when it's sunny... Right. My eyes are just streaming. Beam straight through. It, yeah, it's, it's horrendous. <laughs> With the intro there, we've got quite a bit to talk about. So we'll start with music and then we'll veer away from music because while this is a music podcast, I'm interested in hearing about more than just music. Nice. So we'll veer away from it. So I guess the best place to start is what got Bear into music. Talk to me through Baby Bear and his music taste. <laughs> Baby Bear. Um, I, I, was a, I was always a singer. I, was always one, I always liked singing when I was younger. Um, you, you'd never know it to look at me, but I was actually in the choir, um, when I was younger, um, actually sang in front of the queen as a, a piece of did you? strange trivia for you. Yeah. Um, let's quickly, how did that come about? Let's quickly, cause I mean, we can't just gloss over the fact you sang for the queen. <laughs> what, what, what's that about? Um, so I, uh, I, yeah, I was, a, I was a, a, uh, a big boarding school called Royal Hospital School in Ipswich. Um, and they had a quite prestigious choir section and we got asked to sing at St Paul's Cathedral for I think it was like Wayfarers Festival you know or something something to do with the uh the navy I think uh, one of the services and yeah yeah so we so the myself and the choir sung in front of the queen and um the big the, the biggest thing I remember of the day is that she looked like a canary because she was wearing this whole this whole yellow suit <laughs> Fair enough, that's stuck in your mind then. Okay, so you sang for the Queen. Yep. And then where did we go from there? So in the choir, sang for the Queen. Yeah, so I, I was I was always, uh, I always liked my singing. Uh, and then I kind of got to my teens and then I discovered Nirvana. Uh, and then Nirvana was the band really that, that set off the love of proper, uh, you know, angry, aggressive music. Um, before that, I used to love I used to love Michael Jackson, Jackson Five, as I was growing up. Um, that was kind of my first 
my first love music wise, musician wise was Michael Jackson. Most definitely. I remember asking my parents to buy and my grandparents to buy me all of the Michael Jackson tapes and stuff. And then, yeah, I remember uh, when I was at school, my friend had this cassette of Nevermind. And I remember looking on the back of it. And even then I was like, I was uh, kind of enamored by them. There was a picture of Kurt Cobain sticking his finger up. And I was like, oh, that's so badass. Who's that? And then, uh, yeah, Q, you know, Q further down the line till I was about 14. And uh, I started hanging out with this guy at school who became like my best friend. And uh, we used to sit in his house basically for this whole, like this whole summer. We sat in his house playing Mario Kart on the N64. Uh, and he had this, he had Nevermind on cassette. And it, he would play one, we'd play one side. And then as soon as we'd get to the end, we'd flip it. We'd play outside. As soon as it get to the end, we'd flip it. And we'd be there for hours just listening to the same cassette, uh, playing Mario Kart. And it, was ju- it just instilled in me there. Uh, and then that was it, really. From then on, Nirvana, as soon as the Nirvana bug kicked in, uh, I got my first job. I went straight down the CD shop with my £150 after my first payday. And I bought every single Nirvana CD there was. So, yeah. right, so is that where the guitar playing comes from as well? No, the guitar playing. Oh man, the guitar playing came a lot later. So I um, I moved away from. Uh, I was living in rural Dorset with my mum, and it wasn't really going well down there. It was nothing to do. Like if you if you you know teenage boy in in the in the rural sticks of nothing, it's drinking, and <laughs> that's pretty much it to do around there. Um, this was before because I used to live just out by Yeovil, so was, this was before the ski lodge and everything. Um, and so I actually moved to live with my dad in Chichester when I was about 18, 19. And I started hanging out with this guy called Joe, who was a drummer. And, uh, I, I just, I was kind of playing with a guitar, but just kind of like writing riffs on one song, uh, one string, sorry. And, uh, he was like, oh, you should be a bassist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I've never really thought about it, but he's like, yeah, yeah, you should, you know, you're, you're pretty good at writing like just single note riffs and stuff. Like, you know, we need a bassist for our band. You should learn bass. And so I originally, so that's where it started. I, I, I bought a Westfield bass, uh, with a, a 15 watt practice amp and I got to learn in deep purple and I got to learn in um black knight well yeah black knight by deep purple i got to learn ozzy osbourne and uh rob zombie and and then on to pantera and, and pantera again was the next stepping stone for me in in progression of music uh right the heaviness yeah, yeah. you know when you listen to pantera it's just, it's it's very easy to be taken by the riff isn't it so yeah, I mean, I'm not a massive Pantera fan, but I I know their riffs and I could probably name an album's worth of Pantera songs. And yeah. I don't I don't listen to them. So. Yeah, so so that was the, so I played bass for a long long time, and then again, power of the riff, isn't it? After a, you know, Lamb of God came along. Uh, I I didn't used to like Lamb of God when I first heard them because I didn't like the screaming, if you can believe right. that. Um, and, uh, it grew on me and again, it's a a progression. I just, I went from playing bass to started, I started to try and dabble playing guitar and I, I wanted to play riffs, you know, I wanted to play my own stuff and I started writing my own stuff. And then that was it really. I think it got to about, cause I've not actually been playing guitar that long. It got to about 2010 and I was like, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So I took out a loan and I spent 
a grand on an orange rig and a proper guitar and just went from there and then just started learning to record my own stuff and and then started trying to get something together from there so yeah that was that was how i got into playing guitar really have you still got that guitar did you keep your first guitar or so yeah it was an ibanez it was one of the you know that are uh, it was like one of the early ibanez ones it's kind of like a proper it wasn't a squire it wasn't like a fender squire it was actually like an ibanez but yeah i think i ended up selling it or trading it or something because i ended up getting uh i ended up, ended up getting given a epiphone sg and then once once I got the SG, that was like, oh, okay, this is this is my type of guitar. I like this. And then I had a, I had an SG for a long time until I actually upgraded. I was using my SG at the beginning days of Thume uh, until someone actually had a Gibson SG Derek Truck signature for sale for a fair, for a good price. So I upgraded to the real deal, and uh, I've not looked back since. I'm I'm a bit of an SG fan, so I completely appreciate the fact that you got bought in by the SG. Oh, they look like, they just look so badass, don't they? They just this is something. There's a look about them. Obviously, you got the Black Sabbath connection as well with Tony Iommi. You know, he 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 rocks a uh, a black uh, SG, and it's just that they just have that nice. It's a Gibson. The Gibson have that tone, don't they? They just. Uh, I'm a fan of the uh, Les Pauls as well, but they're a little bit. For me, they're a bit chunky. They're, there's a lot of wood on a, on a Les Paul. Like for me, the SGs, they're versatile as well. Not mm. that you're going to be suddenly jamming out some jazz, but you can go, like you don't need a different guitar to play all these different genres. You just get yourself an SG and yeah, play whatever you want. Very true, very true. Um, I, the only thing I would say is, uh, so tonally, it's amazing. And so for recording, uh, it's great, and uh, but the only thing I would say when you're out, when I'm out gigging, I do tend to have actually a, a gigging guitar, just because uh, a it's quite an expensive guitar anyway, and b because uh, because of the neck and because it's uh, you know it's, uh, te- it's good. SGs can be a little bit tetchy on the neck um, w- with temperatures, so I do actually kind of have like a a gigging guitar, right? Um, but to to record with. Yeah, the 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 warmth and the tone of uh, an SG and the feeling and everything as well is uh, is uh, yeah, not you, you can't compete with that really. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that SGs aren't really like gigging guitars unless you've got the budget to buy a few. Mm. I got a, an SG on finance, practiced with it a few times, went to play a show, leave it in its case for a little bit, come back, yep. case has moved. I'm like, oh bollocks what's yeah. going on here <laughs> open the case and it's a dark venue so i'm like looking down at my, my tuner trying to tune i'm like fucking thing won't go in yeah like it won't go in look up and where they've got such an extreme angle on the headstock it snapped oh no at the headstock so i was like you're fucking joking i've not even played a gig with this oh, thing yet no. so yeah that, that must be to... that would that would have been heartbreaking it was i rang my well she's my wife now but i rang her when she was my girlfriend i was like don't come to this show i'm fucking fuming <laughs> like i am i'm in such a foul mood did you like, but did you have a backup guitar or someone lend you a guitar so you could do the gig still or yeah i took so i've still got it it's um i had a court that i've had for years and yeah. that was my backup guitar and i fucking trashed it that night i was in such a bad mood that it got beaten up so much i was like <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna take it out on the one that i don't want to use so nice. yeah so sgs are lovely but they're not very transportable no, i think that's the same no. with most gibson so like the the angle of the neck yeah. where it 
it's just so extreme that the slightest bump and it's gone. Yeah, I agree. But it, uh, but they are, yeah. As I say, they, but they are. If you play a special show where you know, you, you know, you can look after it or what, and it's only, you're only doing that one show, you know, one offs or or you're recording with it, then it's it's, it's bang tidy. So let's move on to Thume then. Was that? I mean, I know we briefly exchanged a few messages about it the other day, but you, that's still going, but it's on hiatus at the minute. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, Thume Thume kind of uh, came to a halt in. Uh, December eighteen, right? Um, and it's kind of been. It was on. It was kind of. It's been on hold ever since. Uh, obviously, the pandemic's not helped that situation either. No. Um. So it's. So. Uh, but after a year, I want. I've. I wanted to do something ever since. Um. Uh, I still. I do. Still want to get something going again. I've got stuff I've written. I've got stuff ready. There's. You know. There's stuff. There's kind of. There's pretty much like an album now, ready to go. Okay. Um, and, and there's, there's the thought process there. It's just, uh, it's just pushing it to the next level. Obviously, uh, as, as much as I'd like to walk down the street with a, a drum strap to my back, playing guitar <laughs> yeah. with a, a mic, I'm not a one man band. So obviously it takes, right. it, it takes a unit for us to do it. So, and yeah. so that would be the next part. I mean, the sound guy at Anvil, as you probably well know, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Yep. Good drummer, Mr. Scott, I believe. Yeah, you were, yeah, Mr. Nick yeah. Scott. Yes, Mr. Nick Scott. He is like Great every drummer. drummer in the world, though, bro. He is in about seven bands. Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> that, uh, that is true. Isn't he in like some nine million piece jazz band or something? He's he, yeah, they're um, they're kind of like jazz, yeah, more like bluesy jazz, yeah. Um, called uh, Midnight Alliance. They're actually really cool. They're kind of, they're actually more. I think they're more of a funk band actually. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they're 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 really cool. Uh, I actually really like Midnight Alliance. So they're uh, yeah. If you've never seen Midnight Alliance and you like your funky blues, definitely go check them out. Yeah. So talk to me about Bloodstock because um you've got um we're going to start ve- oh no, we're kind of going to veer off music. I don't know. It's going to be all over the place. <laughs> so it what seems we- like you got some affiliation with Bloodstock because you played there 2017. Did? Which I'm going to let you take the the lead on that one because you told me a good uh piece of trivia so would you like to explain i it did yeah, i'll tell review. you what though I'll, what so. i'll do is I'll, I'll i will back i will back up a bit and tell you how i started with bloodstock because it's probably makes perfect there sense. is a, there is a there's a part before that yeah so i've been running metal to the masses now for bloodstock which is their kind of battle their regional battle of the bands um initiative i've been running that since 2009 uh, here in Bournemouth, right. uh, and that was so. I actually did um, the the second ever year uh, of the initiative that I, I took on at the Gander, which is uh, an old venue in Bournemouth, which is no longer with us. Um, and yeah, I uh, I so I basically uh, almost every year been working for Bloodstock. Um, so I was so we were obviously on the radar, so to speak. Anyway, luckily um you know through contacts um but we yeah. were so but we were so we were lucky to get a foot in the door but then uh our music fortunately uh did the rest of the work for us um so cool. so the uh the music was heard and some of our live videos were watched and uh and so we were invited Thuma was invited to uh play the new blood stage in 2017 
And uh, one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, you wouldn't know it from the photo afterwards. It's possibly the worst photo I've ever had taken of me in my life. Is that the photo where you're on stage? Yeah, awful. It looked, I, I saw it, mate. Like the crowd is fucking massive. The crowd was amazing. It, like, so again, like from a small, small band from like us where we'd really only just released or we were just about to release our EP. We, we managed to pick up a, a lot of traction real quick. I don't know. I'm, I, you know, obviously my contacts in the, in the industry help, you know, with the, with, you know, being a promoter, you get, you, you network and so on and so that definitely yeah. helped. But I don't know, man. I was just, we were so surprised. It just, I was expecting like half a full tent. Like, so people, yeah. you know, that's why I was, it's, it's, it was a thousand, it was a thousand people tent, right? So I was expecting like maybe four or 500 people. But now I think the, the number was like 800. I was like, it's all, it was almost full. And yeah, it, the photo looked ridiculous, was, mate. Yeah, it was, man. It was, that must have been a hell of an experience. Oh, it was wicked. The worst part of it, I was suffering from a massive cold. Oh, um, shit. We had a gig at the Wedgwood Rooms with a band called Dendera just before on the 8th of August as well. And right. I, I was suffering, man. I was, it wasn't, I was, and I was like, this is, this is so typical. We're going to go and play Bloodstock. It's going to be one of the biggest opportunities of our career as a band and as, <laughs> and as, and a musical experience of my life, probably the biggest thing as well. Yeah, Even yeah. more so than singing in front of the Queen, you know, uh, in my <laughs> eyes anyway. And uh, and I uh, got ill, and I was like, oh, "Here we go!" And now I got to sleep in a, a tent in a in a field for three days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I was downing all of the honey and eating all of the vocal zones uh, <laughs> and to get up there. So the singing was slightly ropey, um, but the the one good thing of having a cold with death metal growls is you can kind of get away with it because it just sounds husky, doesn't it? So Yeah, it if was, anything, it might help a little bit. It kind of does, but it's just when you go to sing, uh, you can't hold a note when you've got a bit of a cold. Yeah. It kind of goes, <laughs> instead of go, you go, it, it, it bends out. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that something you find often? Because I find it as a singer sometimes. Like, whenever you're gearing up to something, and you're like, oh, I'm in the studio, I've got a decent show coming up. I'm always ill. Ill, yeah. I think it's, um, it's almost a reaction in your body, probably anxiety or something along those lines isn't it i would say your, yeah, your body maybe. just it was, almost puts up like a level of protection <laughs> yeah um but it is it's, it's uh it's typical isn't it one of those things it's uh you know uh as as hard as a drummer as hard as it is for a drummer um at least as long as they can turn up with their two arms and two legs they'll be fine yeah, you know, it, when yeah, when you've got a microphone in front of you, if if a funny noise comes out, everyone's hearing it. Everyone hears it. You're right at the front. Everybody's looking <laughs> yeah. at you. Yeah, and it's oh. um. But I feel we got we what we, we obviously we got away with it because uh, we came home and we picked up. Uh, I got told by someone, "Oh, you need to go and pick up Kerrang this week." I was like, "All right." Uh, and then so we went and picked up Kerrang. I couldn't believe it. Picked up two two page spread of the bloodstock festival coverage from kerrang first band mentioned thume i was like what uh oh, and man. yeah we got we got mentioned first band on on the because we played the friday first band listed on the on the thing they gave us four k's and we were the only new blood stage i was like oh, this is amazing that is that is pretty special yeah man. have you still got that 
You still got it. You're damn right. Nice. <laughs> yes. That ain't going That's nowhere. Good. I saw that one's no. for the kids. <laughs> so I guess if we're sticking on the old bloodstock theme, because mm. you're now streaming in partnership with them. What's, I what's am because you do a lot of streaming. Yes. So Bear Essentials, the stream, the Bear Pit. Yes. So talk to me about. So was that something that was always planned? Because were you no. doing it before? everything locked down or was it everything got locked down you're like well fuck it i'm gonna do some live streaming i've kind of dabbled so i've always with with the gaming side of things i've always dabbled on being a content creator inverted brackets um because anytime i ever something ever funny happened or anything like while i was gaming i would always clip it on my playstation this was before i really got into like pc gaming and so right. anytime anything would happen, I would clip it, and then I would kind of, because there's an editing software called Share Factory on PS4, and I would, okay. and I would kind of um, edit on there and then upload it to YouTube, share it with my friends. And that's really where it started. And then I've always been dab- wanting to dabble with streaming, but I, I kind of never had the balls, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's a big thing to put yourself on camera, every, like, all the time. It's one thing to, like... You know, I've done videos where I've I've gone on on camera and I've spoken a bit and then cut, you know, and that's fine. Uh, and and if it goes wrong, then you can just redo it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So putting yourself on a camera where it's constant, it it, it was a, it was a different thing, and I wasn't sure about doing it. But the pandemic kind of pushed my hand. You know, I was stuck at home doing nothing, losing kind of the sense of purpose. And, um, you know, because the rug was just like like many other people in the country in the scene, uh, the rug was just completely taken out from underneath me as a manager of a, of a vibrant rock bar in the center of town, as, as a musician and, and everything like that. It was just like there was everything and then there was nothing. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, I, I was like, well... I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give this a go. So I started. Uh, I actually started doing Facebook streams um, to begin with, and it was just chatting. So I would just stream myself sat at my desk, and people would come in, and I'd say hello, and we'd have a chat, and it would be funny. And I I did some shots and stuff on the first yeah, ones. It, you know, is that where the because um, it originally it was the Anvil Gaming Group, wasn't it? It you, was you the AAG, that up, yeah. and that's where you did your streaming there. Yeah, that's where it first started, where we were doing um, custom Call of Duty nights. Okay, uh, um, we were doing. Uh, there's a, a video I did, which is quite funny, actually, called Simon Says, where we all kind of stood and, you know, obviously the rules of Simon Says. Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, shoot in the sky. Sit down if you sit down because Simon didn't say. Then you know you, you would get out. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that, and that it was all kind of set up. Yeah, exactly that. It was set up as a as a uh, something to, for people to do and to keep a community and keep going whilst we were all sat at home. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what what I found great about it is a lot of the things that you seem to be involved with, bit, and we'll get onto the wrestling and the streaming and stuff. It's not just you putting content out; it's you trying to create this atmosphere of right. There's twenty of us, there's forty of us, there's whatever, and yeah. there's a little community going on. So it's never just you putting out content; it's no. always you trying to get a group of people and a community go. I was like, that's great. I I, I really like that. Yeah, thanks, that man. I, it, it's not we... just like a one way conversation. It's no you're trying to engage people and there's always open conversation and you know like let's like you say in the in the groups that you've got on on the facebook it's all all about community which 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, sometimes I look and come across as a grumpy bastard, but I mean, I, you know, I am a people person at heart, and I do like to, you know, I always have tried to to you know create something and have something as a collective. You know, I don't, I do, I've even with the kind of metal in Bournemouth. You know, when I started DJing and running nights and promoting in 2007, that was always my my thing was we should have this. And I and I um, in Bournemouth, and it wasn't in the same way that people like Don Patience and and Choff do the same thing. It's like, I you know, obviously part of it was a sense of achievement for myself, but I I, I was also like, we should have this, and we don't have this. Let's have yeah. this, you know. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm very, but I'm I'm very lucky with the, you know, I'm very lucky with the people um in Bournemouth and, and around and there is you know there's a lot of people that are willing to to you know kind of input as well and that helps obviously you don't have a community by one person telling everyone what's going on or it, you know community is because other people input as well so I'm very lucky that there's that I found people to be able to do that as well yeah so I guess going back to the streaming, mm. uh, like I say, we're, we're jumping about all over the yeah, place. Yeah, no, which is, uh, no <laughs> the I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, cool sorry. with that. Yeah, so Bloodstock, I guess that's due to the the contacts you had and perhaps they had like a, a bigger platform to put you on than, than Facebook. Is yeah, that how that well, came about? Well, I, so I went on to Twitch uh, in December 2020 uh, and I've been streaming on Twitch for five months and... Uh, it's it's been going really well. It was going really really well. The numbers cons- the numbers went really really quickly up. Um, you know, sometimes it takes some it takes some people a year to get fifty followers. And and I was, you know, knocking. I've, you know, I've got up to two hundred and fifty in five months. So That's- it, it it was going really well. And and it's just kind of like again that kind of weird thing of being in the right place at the right time. Bloodstock are now trying to push their brand to the digital platform because they should because it's the future um and they wanted to expand their channel they wanted to do more um and it came up in a conversation between a couple of the guys at bloodstock and they were considering people and and simon who is the the main booker for metal to the masses and also the sophie sage uh said to one of the guys have you thought about bear um, and they said, funny enough, you should say that we've already actually messaged him. We're waiting for a reply. So, All right. so, and that's where it went really. I, I literally, I got the message and I was like, you know, I, I was, I basically just said, I would love to do this for you. I've obviously worked with, you know, with bloodstock since 2009. Um, uh, you know, I've, I, I've always been a massive ambassador, so to speak for that festival, because I love it so much. It's, it's um you know every year it's, they're, they're like a family to me now um so it was you know the only the only concern i had going on is that they would want me to not be me so i you know when we spoke i was like look i really want to come and do this but i've got this thing going on already and i don't want to change that so as long as you're happy with me coming over and still doing that but for you yeah. um then I'm in and they were like, we don't want you to change. We, you know, that's perfect. You know, do your bear yeah. pit, be the bear pit in on bloodstock. Um, and, and that's all we would ask. And yeah, that's it. But now I'm on there every Thursday, nine o'clock. Um, I do week in week out. I do music one week and then gaming the next. 
so with the music it's podcasting and djing and then the gaming is whatever really is is good for the time and yeah see i've been doing it for five weeks now and it's 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 awesome loving it yeah it's great that they're so supportive of it as well and they didn't want you to kind of like change to suit whatever brand they had in mind it was well no we want you to be bear like yeah you are bear you be bear we don't want bear but with a different persona yeah on. We yeah want you for you so it's great that they were supportive of that like i can imagine a lot of places will say right you've got a like twist yourself to suit our brand yeah or it's not happening which don't get me wrong if they said that i would have obviously considered it but at that time i was like i've put five months of work into this now and it, it i feel like it's going somewhere um, you know, I feel like when, when when I have a good night, you know, it's like, you know, that feeling when you come off a of stage and you play that really good gig and you come off yeah. and you're like, you know what, this might actually have traction. And it, and, and it's like that for me. It's like, and, and I was like, I don't want to jeopardize that. But like, if I was in a, if I was in another position where I was like, well, you know, I'd be a fool to turn down Bloodstock. Um, then obviously I would think about it, but no, they I was really happy in that they were like, no, just do your thing. We just want you to do your thing, but for Bloodstock. And I was like, that's fine. I mean, I'm pretty much, you know, my my way, my my tastes and and everything kind of veer towards Bloodstock anyway. So it was a it yeah. was a natural transition for me. And are you you're still doing stuff on your own? Yeah, yeah. So I you- still so I still do every Sunday and Tuesday. Uh, on Sunday, I do more content-based stuff, so things that take a bit longer to play, not just one hit on a on a stream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more like uh, so. This Sunday, I'm doing Ghostbusters, which I started uh, last week or the week before, so I'm carrying that on, which is uh, great. And then Tuesday, I do a thing called First or Last, um, and what that is is basically I have so many games in my Steam and my Epic account um backlog which i've bought over the years through sales and and you know when i see cheap and so on and so forth that I've, yeah yeah i've built up this big back catalog of games and i was like what am i i really want to get through these games and somehow and then just one day i came up with the idea i was like i just play them on stream i just like literally every week i'll just play a brand new game i've never played and stream it and that's how first or last came out, and then yeah, now so now every every Tuesday now, and now I've doubled it, so now I'm playing two games every Tuesday, so for for six hours, first three hours one game, second three hours another game. And, Do you uh, find that you have a specific genre game you go for? Because for me, I'm very if, and it's the same with films or anything for me. If yeah. I'm not completely engaged in ten to fifteen minutes, gone. Yeah, I'm not. Um. Do you? Y- yeah, I. <laughs> I, I weirdly, weirdly, it, do you know what? It's kind of weird because as as a as a person, like my personal taste wise, um, is actually con- kind of different to what is good for streaming. So, okay. so I'm more of a open world kind of uh, RPG kind of guy, and also on the flip side of that, I love playing multiplayer modern warfare um, and a lot of shooter games. But yeah. those ones don't. They, they, those either side of the spectrum don't translate that well um, to a live stream, unless, like, obviously, there's Call of Duty streamers out there, obviously, but they're yeah. of a high level, uh, and that and that's the difference. So it's actually this is what's been good with this for doing. I guess I'm classed now as a variety streamer because I do so many different things, especially with first or last. It's, it's 
got me to play games that would normally be out of my comfort zone. But normally, but because of that, it actually generates quite a lot of funny content. Uh, and it's it, because of that, it tends to, yeah, it gets me to play games I would never would have played. And so my reaction is quite organic. You know, yeah. if I if you played if I played the same, if every week I just played RPGs, I think uh, it would it, my reactions would be different. You know. Yeah, I suppose because yeah, you've seen it happen, so it's not like when you're playing games for the first time, you've got that yeah like instant reaction. But if you've seen it, like I find on some games, the um the NPCs will say, "Oh, I've heard that line like three times now." Yeah, yeah, well, like, especially in the first the games. Time. <laughs> yeah, like it was funny the first time. Yeah, third time it's like, oh, okay, I must have hit a certain amount in this game that it's just going to be the same from here on out. Yeah, yeah, and and RPGs and the stuff like that. They do kind of fall into sometimes they fall into that that uh repetitive kind of notion, don't they? Where not not even just in one game, I mean like the genre in itself, you you see things from one game in another game. So yeah. I, you know, so and don't, again, there there are people that are that do have a, a a fan base out there that just want them to play RPGs or they just want them to play uh shooters but but i'm not i'm i'm not like i like playing loads of different things um i'm really bad at completing things as well so i always right. end up playing things for half and then never completing them so again doing being a variety streamer where i get to play loads of different stuff uh is is probably beneficial for me as well yeah so I mean, I, I've got a question written down here. What's your favourite game of all time? Now, I know that's going to be, like, there's so many to choose from. Yeah. But if you had one, it's, think Desert Island Games. You can take one with you that you you just, yeah. you've got the, because you, you've got a Desert Island with a console yeah. on or a PC on because yeah. you're not going to call to go home. <laughs> so what, ga- what, what game are you play? I'll, I'll, I'll make a PC out of a uh, bamboo tree. It'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's easy. It's an easy one. Skyrim every time. Okay. Um, I made my band after it. So Thune comes from Skyrim, which is um, it, actually in Skyrim, it's Thuum, uh, which is uh, Dragon Shout. Uh, so, okay. so yeah, no, I, Skyrim, to this day, I've played probably over a thousand hours on it through different characters. And there's still quest lines and factions that I've not completed. And Fair DLCs. Enough. So it's, it's so big, so much to do. Yeah, Skyrim, yeah, right. Skyrim would be the one for me, most definitely. Cool. So it's twitch.tv forward slash bear essentials with a Z on it. It is. It is. Yeah. So go and check that out. What was it? Sunday, Tuesday, and then you're on the Bloodstock on the Thursday? Yeah, Bear Pit's on the Bloodstock channel on the Thursday. Cool. So uh, do you want to talk about wrestling or do you want to talk about the Anvil now? <laughs> which which way do you want to go because oh, i mean we veered away from music i love so I'm them both bring it equally back to music slightly i love them both e- equally um let's 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 uh let's talk wrestling and finish an anvil then okay so you run the bwc bournemouth wrestling community facebook page indeed again uh i can't remember when i joined that but was that uh i suppose that was a before it's years now yeah it's mad um yeah that again, say is again. It's I was like, there isn't one. Why? Why isn't there one? There's like loads of us, you know. There's yeah. Like, go on, sorry, go. 
yeah, like the amount of people I know that like wrestling. Yeah. And it's almost like, oh, well, you got to kind of hide underground because wrestling's not cool. <laughs> like, so you'll mention to someone who you like wrestling and it's the classic, oh, it's fake or whatever. It's yeah, like, well, it's, it's, the not, F word. it's not fake. It's predetermined, but it's not fake. The F word. Like, yeah. I like, mean, what's not like, cool about it. men in Speedos uh, exactly. getting all sweaty and throwing each other around? Exactly. It's no different. And I say it like this. So somebody will say, oh, you know, wrestling's fake and predetermined. I said, oh, do you watch any soap operas? Yeah. Like, do you watch EastEnders? Because it's exactly the same, except you haven't got hunky men in pants. Yeah. Like, that's, it, well, that's what I've got. Also, I'm pretty like, sure Bruce Willis probably doesn't actually shoot guns. Yeah, good point. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Sean Bean hasn't died 15 times. There, there you go, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's it's all for the uh, for, all for the element of entertainment, isn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah. Some people do have an issue getting their head around wrestling. It's quite funny. Um, yeah, I, I've never understood it. It's like, well, yeah, it's fake, but just watch it. Like, I mm. mean, the storylines aren't great now, but you you watch some of it and you get so engrossed in it. It's like it is. I actually like, it's so captivated. I actually have a question for you. Yeah, go on. If if someone was to if someone said to you, um, they never watched wrestling, and you had to put on one match to them, and say, this watch this match. This match will show you what wrestling's really about. What match would it be for you? Um, I well, I mean, I'd probably go. There's one of two. Okay, I reckon. So I'd play them a Royal Rumble, probably 2001. Okay. Uh, just because you get a little bit of everything in there, and the crowd helps. And Kane. And Kane. Yeah. Or <laughs> probably like the one that really got me. Yeah. Was Shawn Michaels Ric Flair at Mania. Oh. The one, just, he, uh, the one where he says, I love I'm you. Sorry, just I love you. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's that, a heart wrencher, isn't it? Yeah. And I'd play that and I'd be like, You tell me you weren't invested in that. Yeah. And that, the the mouthing at the end, you're telling me you didn't feel a thing. Yeah. Like, of course you did. That's yeah. what wrestling's about. Yeah. You build up these stories, you build up these characters. Yeah. And then you get the payoff and it's worth every second. Yeah. So, for, for, what about you? For anyone that doesn't know, uh, Ric Flair was kind of like a big inspiration on Shawn Michaels. So that, and it was a retirement match, wasn't it? So yeah, it, it was. Um, he he the had first the, of many. He had the yeah. Well, we didn't know that at the time, <laughs> did we? But no, um, no it, like that would have been the hell of a way to go. Yeah, when he came back it, to TNA. It so. was the. Um, it was supposed to be his uh, retirement, and and it was kind of like a a spiritual moment for for Shawn Michaels. In the industry of wrestling, you're supposed to go out on your back, which means if you're supposed to, uh, if you leave or retire, you're supposed to lose to put over someone younger. So, so for Shawn Michaels to do that with Ric Flair, that's why it was very emotional, wasn't it? Um, yeah, oh, it was chilling, juicy, like getting chills thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, have to go watch there, that match. So there's two. There's uh, there's two for me as well. Okay. I would say, and one is for pure wrestling. And the yeah. other is for spectacle, right? So the, okay. the one I always go to is Mankind Undertaker Hell of a Cell 98. Yeah, good choice. Because you show anyone that, and especially if they're always like, oh, wrestling's sorry, fake. And, over. Sorry. Uh, they say, oh, wrestling's fake. No one, uh, you know, no one gets hurt, blah, 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 blah. You show them that match, and they're like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, especially, obviously, the first 
the first one off the top of the cage was uh, was known about, but the second one where he gets choke slammed goes yeah. through the top of the cage. That wasn't meant to happen. Nor was it's the chair. Nor was the, the chair, chair hitting, hitting him. him. Yeah, <laughs> taking his teeth yeah. out. Yeah, and there's that How infamous. The, oh, yeah, there's the lip. infamous um, picture or um, scene where the, they're filming him in the corner, and he looks around to the camera, and his mouth is all red and bloody, and there's a oh, tooth yeah. sticking out of his of his nutter. lip. Because I would say the same about the '99 I Quit match. Right, that was one of the first matches the I the Rock watched. of Mankind. And yep. if people say it's fake, it's like he's got his hands hanging behind, behind his, back, his back. Yeah, and the Rock is. How's he stopping that? Exactly. And if you, face? if you watch the Beyond the Map documentary as well, that would only further <laughs> show the proof yeah. of that because his family it's, was it's not fake. I mean, it's, it's predetermined, but trust yeah. me, he's getting hit big time. <laughs> like, But yeah, so the other one for me um, would be Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Um, okay. The Iron Man match. Just and because the... uh, that was WrestleMania 12, wasn't it? Yeah, that's for the wrestling. Yeah, and that's for the wrestling aspect. Just because for 60 minutes, those guys go for it, and it's just some of the best wrestling spectacle you'll you'll ever see. Like the mat skills, uh, the pacing, you know, the the, the art of wrestling really is in that match. Um, There's been ones since. uh, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate. NXT, those those guys put on some some of those type of matches, but no, that one for me, the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart was kind of like also showing the new era of genuine skilled wrestling as opposed to your. And there's nothing wrong with Hulk Hogan and, and Ultimate Warrior, um, but back in the, those days, those guys were about the character and the image first, and the wrestling second. Yeah. Um, and the wrestling almost came first with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Maybe more so with Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels yeah. has always been about that image. You know, he, yeah. he, he smiles, calls right. himself the sexy boy. Yeah. So I think as well, if a match can hold your interest for sixty minutes, like you exactly, find me yeah. an episode of EastEnders that can hold you for sixty minutes. Wow, exactly. Just one, like one scene, especially not with Danny Dyer on it. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you find me anywhere where one scene can hold you for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Just ain't gonna happen. Like people get bored after five minutes. You watch that match for an hour. Yeah. And and it's so it's the drama they build within that hour as well. The back and yeah. forth, isn't it? It's the yeah, you know, storytelling's unreal with some of these exactly. Wrestlers. And it's it is that it is that classic baby baby uh, baby face versus heel, the good guy versus the bad guy. You know, that's what they always play on. You don't get that so much these days because kayfabe is kind of dead. Um, oh, yeah. But but back in that, yeah, the good guy, the bad guy, Bret Hart was you know this synonymous wrestling icon that came from the, the Hart Foundation and Stu Hart Dungeon and then Shawn Michaels was supposed to be the new blood wasn't he yeah so yeah that match for me is just yeah that that's what I would probably show someone so what, what are you making of it currently have you got not, uh, I'm not a fan I'm not a fan no, no if I'm honest what I, are you I, making of AEW at the minute I, I think they do good stuff um, I think they again even though they don't say it, I think they focus too much on trying to beat WWE. Um, yeah. And I, I would, I, I wish they would just do their own thing, so to speak. Um, but it's nice to see Kenny Omega getting over and doing some more stuff in there because they kind of slept on him for a bit. 
Yeah, I I think they're about to strap a rocket to MJF. Yeah, if they haven't already. Yeah, well, he's brilliant. Which was he's, he's so one good. of the best heels we've had in a long, long time, isn't he? Yeah, I've I've got a lot of time for MJF. I'm a big fan of what he's doing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm trying to think, what else have they got? I mean, they've got. Well, they like, just took. I, I, they just took the big show on, didn't they? Yeah, uh, which would be. I think they got like I don't know whether they need to stop that because TNA did that when they first, and it's like, oh look, we we've got XWWE yeah. guys. Well, they it's just like, had... yeah, but you've also got MJF. They, like, yeah, they have push him because they've never had him. No, and they just like, recently, he... yeah, they recently got um, Sting back as well, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> Bret Hart's been there as well, and he yeah. was he there? Yeah, and then I'm trying to think who else they've had. Jake Obviously, the they've got uh, yeah. Dustin Reynolds? Uh, Dustin Rhodes. I just know him as Gold Dust. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes and yeah. also uh, Taz as Jericho's well. Jericho's there. Jericho. Yeah, Jericho's there. Yeah. Although Jer- yes. Jericho is one of those people you can put him anywhere and he reinvent himself and he'll always be really yeah. good. Like a hundred percent. That whole right. Le Champion thing was amazing. <laughs> yeah. and... Have you got a favourite iteration of Jericho? Uh, it has to be. It, it it would have originally been his like two thousand and two two thousand and three run probably when he was like you know when he used to dig on uh, Stephanie McMahon yeah. um, back in the kind of to the end of the Attitude Era um, but I think no I think after now would be the list the era of the list yeah that was his well, for me like the best. Because I, I fell out of love with it for a while, so I stopped watching it for a while. Yeah. And then I came back, and one of the first things I picked up on was the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho yep. stuff. Yeah. And they, like, that was the thing. I was like, I'm going to have to watch it. It's like Jericho's Literally. on form. Well, and their chemistry and, between each other was hilarious, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was so good. Like the, uh, the like weird best friend festival of friendship. Yeah, that, sort of, like, that was that amazing. Was that was one of the yeah, best man. parts. Again, that was one of the best things I've seen in wrestling for a long time. <laughs> yeah, like when they come around and they hit a storyline bang on, yeah. it's really good. But then there's so much you got to sift through to, to get to those. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What did you make of the um the like the more so? Take the graveyard match out of the AJ Undertaker one. What do you reckon to the Money in the Bank matches? Like the proper, like okay, this was clearly like done in takes and and all that. You remember? So during the lockdown, when the, they the recent go to, the recent manias, yeah, the yeah, like the re or ma- mainly the like theatrical matches. Yeah, like, they're all theatrical, but like I, the actual, I, we're in Titan Towers yeah, doing. Yeah, I wasn't a fan doing at Money at in all. the Bank. I, was... like, I think it worked well for Taker and AJ. AJ because... and Taker, where they had that match out in the, the boneyard match in was the it? in the yeah, I think wherever they had it in that kind of abandoned um, shed, a garage, whatever. Um, yeah. That that was the warehouse. That that was amazing because it was so well yeah. done and having him drive yeah. off on his bike at the end because he because it was the rebirth of the American badass character, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and the, I think the Undertaker character feeds into that. Like, yeah. you wouldn't expect, like, for me, you don't expect to see, like, Otis or someone in that <laughs> no. setting. But the Undertaker is fine. Although, like, again, I loved, I have loved everything they did with Otis, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I just wish they'd have done more than get him to give the, or lose the briefcase to the Miz. Yeah. I wish they'd have done something with him. Yeah, I've, but, I've, Or when him and Tucker split, do something. Don't just oh they've split and now leave. Wow, it, now like. Tucker's gone. They they, yeah. they fired him. I think yeah. yeah, it's a shame what they do. They do this a lot, don't they? I think WWE always bite off more than they can chew. Um, yeah. So they take on too many people and then don't they have too many people to push? So yeah, so definitely. so people get left on the wayside. Unfortunately, Ricochet 
what they did to Ricochet, Ricochet's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, And what they did with him and Brock Lesnar, I love Ruthless Aggression Era Brock Lesnar is one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, when when he, he was an absolute machine because he used to actually wrestle a match. Now they've got this kind of um this kind of crazy persona on him where he turns up smashes someone in eight seconds and walks out again yeah now that's great but every time you do that you bury anyone that's in front of him unless they're already someone who's got an established character like john cena that can come back again yeah well they did it with kofi didn't they they put yep. the belt on kofi and then all of a sudden oh kofi's dropped it yeah because like, anyone what, what, because brock lesnar came along <laughs> yeah like what payoff is that everyone's been clamoring for kofi to get it for so long and he drops it in like like you say 10 seconds what, like, well i wonder what champion. i wonder whether it's <laughs> contract i think around i wonder whether it's something to do with brock lesnar's contract i wonder whether you'd imagine he's probably quite good at negotiating now it's like well i know what i'm worth if you want me to come back then i'm sorry but i'm having that belt back yeah i think he probably yeah exactly he's like i need to i want to be champion for this amount of time a year yeah otherwise i I won't be around yeah i suppose that happened with goldberg as well didn't it yeah like for me i was and i i mean i think it's a very uh love it or hated thing I was a massive fan. Mm. Oh, I mean, I am a massive fan of Bray Wyatt, be it the uh, the like Me too. cult leader, and then going on to the the Fiend stuff, mm-hmm. amazing. And the fact that Goldberg beat him is like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, they spent like how many times can you drop yeah. the ball? They spent on how this long? Guy, because yeah, yeah, spent how long building so that character good. just to bury him? Yeah, by one returning like, old fossil. Yeah, it's like he's so good, and everything he does is it. You give him the Firefly Funhouse, and they're selling merch at five hundred pound a box, yep. and it's flying. Yeah, like he's so popular, and then Goldberg, who no one wants to see. Like, don't get me wrong, he was great, and Goldberg will always be a legend. But nowadays, do you really want to see Goldberg get one over on? Especially Braille? not when you, oh, especially like, when you look at matches like that Undertaker match in Saudi or wherever it was, and oh, God, utter I'm shambles. No one died. Yeah, he was almost. Right. Um, Dropped him on his yeah, head. Yeah, he dropped him on his head, didn't he? Have you watched The Undertaker documentary? Yeah, yeah, great. Oh, that was, yeah, uh, that was emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, go, if you don't like wrestling, yeah. and we've not just sold it to you, you don't have, no, there's no hope for you. Well, I mean, if you, so. if you again, I would say if you do want to, if you're listening, is you never watch wrestling, you do want to kind of get an into it, watch some of the documentaries. They're always very humanising, and, 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 and they always you know, will show a different side to it as well. Um, yeah. My partner wasn't really into wrestling um, until we got together. And, and, and yeah, same thing, really. It's, it's a kind of, I showed her a lot of the documentaries and and um, and so on and so forth. And through that, she's, she's gained to love it. So, yeah, I mean, my wife's not a fan of it, but she definitely sat and watched the whole of that Undertaker documentary. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just gets you in it. Like you say, it puts a a whole different spin on it because it's like oh he's actually a human well that's like, I mean, exactly like, he, yeah yeah drop the drop the character drop the persona yeah. and you actually see what goes on to it and he's like yeah he, he was doing it for 30 years and his body is so broken yeah well, I, but exactly i mean that's the thing it, you, he just keeps going if you if you look past the characters you know look past the characters and see the person that person has put that amount of years into their life into their career um, that amount of time on the road away from their family, you, you know, and you see you, it's, it's real when you see what they're doing, it's real. You know? And, and so 
you know, yes, you, what you can say, whatever's in the ring is fake, but when they come out of the ring and the person they are and the integrity and the, and the strength that goes into being who they are and for so long, that's as real as it gets, in my opinion. Yeah, like I think as well, the, like the emotion you can see, like Edge's first retirement speech. Yeah, there was nothing fake about that. No. He's, like he might be a good actor, but he ain't that good. No. He was shot to bits. Like yeah. it really got to him. Like the whole Ric Flash or Michaels match. Yeah. It, like you could tell that it was just raw emotion. But agreed. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get. So, do you? Well, I suppose we can split it in half, can't we? If because I'm going to ask you favourite wrestler now, but obviously if you've been watching <laughs> wrestling and wrestling's been going since forever, yeah. it's going to be a bit difficult. So how do you want to split it? Because I was going to say Attitude Era to the end of the Ruthless Aggression. I'll, I'll, give, you the, then I'll, onwards. I'll give you the three era, the three era ones, because there's the golden era. Yeah, on, then. There's the golden era, there's the Attitude Era, and then there's modern yeah. era, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, cool. That, yeah, that's a better way. That's yeah, four, that actually. Way. So there would be there because there's ruthless aggression era as well in the modern era. Um, yeah. My my, I, I was a massive Ultimate Warrior fan growing up. Um, he, he, obviously now as an adult, uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Uh, but as yeah. as the spectacle and the kind of atmosphere and aura around Undertaker when you're a kid. Um, you know, was was there. It was it was, you know, there was a reason why he was one of the biggest draws for the company. Um yeah. crazy as a box of frogs. Um yeah. but when you're a kid you don't see that. You see the intensity, you see the colours, uh, and you see the character and he used to run in, you know, kill you know, to kill everyone, but you know, smash smash a match through, win in massive, st- you know, style, and then run out again. <laughs> it would be like, yeah. <laughs> um, so Attitude Era, it, it, for me, would always be Mankind, Mick Foley. Okay, yeah. Um, I love, I just, I, I I, actually ended up picking up, I was I was a massive Kane fan originally, and I still yeah, love I Kane. I'd have, to, I'd have to say Kane yeah. was one of mine. Kane was amazing. Again, that image... And the presence of Kane was amazing, but yeah, but I just, um, I actually, I bought, I bought both of Mick, uh, Mick Foley, Mankind's books, um, and I read them on, and they're what some of the only books. I'm not a big book reader. They're some of the only books I've ever read, and um, and I grew to love him as a person, and I love, I love the Mankind character. I love the the humor they put into him. I love the hardcore aspect of Cactus Jack. Uh, and I yeah. and I love the origin story of Dude Love, so 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 yeah, Mick Foley would be my Attitude Era guy. Uh, there's loads though. I do love a lot of them, but yeah, yeah. I, I would say Mick- what. So what we, do you have like a, a mid to undercard Attitude Era guy? Because I was always a massive Ken Shamrock fan. Mm. Like so, I don't know. Like so, if you take the top, the like the cream of the crop off. Yeah. Did you have one that like because Ken Shamrock was always one. Gangrel was a I, I did like a Gangrel match. So back in the so he would have been mid card, uh, or at that point. Um, yeah. Later on, he he was a, a front runner, but JBL back when he was Bradshaw. Yeah. Um, I was a massive a Bradshaw fan. I used to love. Again, Bradshaw would come in his big ass Texan, and you throw down that clothesline from hell. 
Um, so I used to love Bradshaw, and then obviously he turned into JBL. But yeah, back, back when it was Attitude Era, Bradshaw most definitely. Um, maybe even like uh, I think D'Lo Brown as well was always a favourite. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Um, but yeah, so move, moving on to ruthless aggression, Brock Lesnar. Um, up until he left the company, well, probably even before he left, to be honest, because that uh, WrestleMania 20 match was terrible. Um, that was the one with Goldberg. Yes, it? it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was around this time that I tend to stop watching. Right. So, I, and I was aware of what was happening, but I wouldn't watch it as religiously as I had. Same for me. And it was yeah. ar- it was around this time where I'd kind of got other things like that I was interested in, yeah. and I didn't like dislike wrestling. Like I've always got a soft spot for it, but this is where I stopped really paying massive attention. Yeah. And I'd just be like, like I'd. I'd I've gone back on the network and watched some Royal Rumbles. I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I've no idea. Like, you get these these mid carders from like 2008, 2009. I wouldn't have a clue who they were. Well, the, you know, when the the only way of knowing who people were is because you played the video game. It's like that, you know, when yeah. when because I've always I've always bought every single up until 2K20, I bought yeah. every single wrestling game that came out every year. Um, and sometimes, even when I wasn't back then, I was only ever watching WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles. So when yeah. I used to pick up the game, I'd be like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was 2K18 or something, and I was like, who the fuck are the Ascension? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you get those characters, like the mid like mid to late noughties. Yeah. I was like, I don't know who any of these guys are. Like, I know like Lance guys. Cade or um, yeah. people like that, or um, Heidenreich. <laughs> Little those, yeah. Oh, Gene Snitsky. They were some dark times in wrestling, my friend. I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, like because I'm aware of them now. Because where I got back into wrestling, I've gone back and I've watched it, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't get any better. No, like like, there's a reason I must have switched off here. It started getting about better again around 2008 onwards. I think 2009 when CM Punk came in. Punk side, yeah, yeah. They got CM Punk in. They did the Straight Edge. Uh, thing and then he started yeah. just being punk and then that yeah. you know 2010 you know onwards it's, yeah it was the punk era wasn't it really yeah so did you say one for ruthless aggression uh yeah Brock Lesnar, Lesnar was my guy up until I would say the last up until the Eddie Guerrero match right because even that Eddie Guerrero match was amazing with Brock up until then his his whole turning up one of the best debuts I've ever seen was when Brock Lesnar just turned up. And I think it was um, Spike, wasn't it? They just, um, he jumps off the top of the ropes and, and, and yeah. Brock just catches him yeah. in midair and then kind of lets him <laughs> fall and then literally lets him dangle and then literally lifts him back up again and then just plows him. And it's just like, oh, my God. And I, I think it was um, Al Snow, was it, as well, that comes into the ring and he just... Like does this? He just literally suplexes him straight into that bin, and it's just, it's just. Yes. And you got then you got yeah. you got Paul Heyman screaming on the outside. It's just one of the best debuts ever, in, in and it's just it was such a machine. And he yeah. was he was green as grass, but my god, it's no wonder that they when they saw him they just went, oh, we have got money here. Yeah, right. Like this, we're printing, we're printing money. Yeah, this guy <laughs> is money. Like, cause he just had that presence. He, he doesn't really like people that much anyway. So, and that shows yeah. cause when he's, he's just very like flat and, 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 and 
and just yeah, but so aggressive and so and and such for such a big guy, man, that guy could just just like jump around the ring. Obviously, you know, he used to be able to do the the stuff off the top rope. Uh, you know, so it's yeah, he was an all rounder. Uh, it's just such such a shame what they do with him now. It just, but I yeah. guess he's older. I get it. Um, you know, but it's just a shame. I'd love to see an old school Brock Lesnar again. Hmm. What I do like about it is when he's actually in like a match which is competitive, mm. he's actually really good at the other side of it. Mm. So he's he's not just a, like yeah, we know he can blast through people, mm. but when he's actually got someone that's given it back to mm-hmm. him, he's actually really good at selling. He is good at selling, yeah. And it's like, I think that's so underrated with Brock Lesnar because yeah. everyone sees the absolute machine that just runs through people. It's like, yeah, but watch him when he gets into something. He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. I, like, he can do that side of it really well. Yeah, and he has that, he has the thought process of wrestling as well. He's, he is, you know, he does have a good mind for it. Yeah, um, he knows what works and he knows what's Yeah, gonna, and, and, and that's why, sell. again, and I, it, that's why it kind of sucks that they just blast him through uh eight seconds to one you know to one minute matches these days yeah the what only time i it, sorry guys, i was, was gonna it, say the only time 20... i actually enjoyed that was when he did it to cena because i think yeah. that was back at the time when he did it to cena it was still back in the time that cena was the annoying baby face he was so green it well not green but so so good and so like over that it was kind of annoying I don't know if yeah. you remember that era of Cena, where it was just um, like, yeah, yeah, that was when I started kind of in and out, in and out. Right, it, it was kind of like everything. Everything they just put Cena at the belt on Cena all the time, and Cena always, and and it was kind of where he gained that reputation of, um, kind of killing again. He used to be the the person that would kind of kill kill a push. You know, because yeah. they would literally, they decided they didn't want, they, they decided they still wanted to just have Cena. So they would ha- put Cena over everyone. And then, so everyone was like, you know, this sucks. Fair play to Cena. He actually ended up standing up to the company and and and, and ask, asking them to let him put some people over. And that's where yeah. you see the, you know, when he's he's had the feuds with Kevin Owens, he had the feud with... AJ Styles, he's had feuds with a fair few people that have come through the door now um, to put them over. Um, and and he's been quite vocal about, you know, people taking the piss out of him for not putting people over, but then he'll stand there in the ring and list all these people that he's, like, yeah. you know, breaking the fourth wall, t- um, kayfabe, telling, uh, telling the crowd and telling, you know, the haters, I've put all these people over and you still hate me. You know, yeah, I think that's where because I mean I don't know what's what it stemmed from, but have you seen that clip where Brock comes back and he just lobs the belt at Vince? Yeah, in the and back, he storms yeah. out. Yeah, and I reckon Brock's probably like that now. He's like, look, I I ain't got long to go at this rate. Yeah, maybe it's time that you get guys to go over me. Yeah, and then oh, they beat Brock. They must be good. Yeah, yeah, I think probably it's frustration. Uh, from what I gather, I believe that that was part of it. It was that it was this, this frustration that he didn't believe that he should have won that match. Um, yeah. And do you know and, what match was that? Do you know? I can't remember. I can't remember who it was, but I do. I do remember that 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 is supposed to be part of it. That he was frustrated that he didn't actually think he should have had the strap, um, yeah. and he just took I mean, it because it that's what Vince wanted. 
Yeah, <laughs> like maybe he knows he's being used just as a money machine. Yeah. Like, whereas if he's got respect for the the industry, I suppose maybe he wants to do the classic. Look, I'll go out on my back and put someone over. Mm. But Vince is like, no, no, you win that belt and we're printing money. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess so. So yeah, the next what we so we done ruthless aggression. Yeah, yeah. And, so and current modern era current, Bray Wyatt. But then again, again they've ruined him, in my opinion. Yeah. The fiend, they just pushed the fiend too hard, and it all got a little bit too silly. And then, yeah. and then, and on the flip side of that, they buried him. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, like I, it never made like for me. I don't know whether I'd have liked to. So the, Fly, the Firefly Funhouse was great. I mean, I was a big fan of like the cult leader Wyatt family. Yeah, I really. Oh liked yeah, that. I love that. And then yeah. they fed him to Randy Orton. It's like, what are you doing? And then the maggots on the ring at Mania and stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, the Just get him to be the cult leader. Get a decent stable. Get him to be the cult leader. Get him to get over the Undertaker. Yeah. That that would have been it. That's what they... I mean, hindsight's great and all that. Yeah. And then Firefly Funhouse is like, okay, they can't fuck this up. Look how good it is. They cannot mess this up. Yeah. I would have done it a bit like uh, Demon Finn Balor and been like, right, Bray's going to do all the fighting. Yeah. If he's really in a match, Mm. the Fiend's coming. Yeah. Not... Yeah, put like split in. personality thing. Yeah, that that would have been good. Yeah. I think that would have been yeah, good. Yeah, not put the fiend in. No. and then give him the belt after like two matches. Yeah, and yeah. Then make him lose it. It's like you killed him. As I mean, his championship belt was awful. Yeah, I don't know what you thought about yeah, that. It was, just, yeah, what have you done? Just stretch his mask out and made him wear it around his neck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much that. Yeah. It would have been good. Yeah, if they would have been good if they had him. So it was he was Bray Wyatt, and then the more and more. Kind of like the Hulk in a way, like you know how the Hulk. Uh, I don't know if you know much about the Hulk in in Marvel Universe, but like with with the Hulk, if the more damage he takes, the angrier and bigger he gets. Yeah. So it would have been cool in a way if they'd done that with Bray, where uh, the more damage he took in a match, or like the more punishment he took in a match, it would get to like a certain point, and if he got t- too much damage taken, he would turn into the fiend. Yeah, because I'm he, sure you could knock him under the ring for a minute right? while he gets his mask on. Like it's not impossible. No, no, it would have been great. Kill the lights, do something. Get yeah. one of the Wyatt family to come and cause a distraction or whatever. You can get that yeah, done for sure. Because it would have created so many opportunities for the crowd to wonder when he was going to turn into the f- yeah. the fiend, as opposed to just being yeah. a fiend from the from the get go. And also, yeah, it would have given it would have given more presence to the fiend, in my opinion. Yeah, like for me, I I, I don't know why. I mean, I I wouldn't have put him back with Randy Orton. I think that was done. I get why they've done it, but yeah, there was no one else. The I Randy guess. Orton thing, yeah, like, and what would have been if they'd have kept him as like the Wyatt family, and then he turns into the fiend or whatever? They could have actually played into the sister Abigail and got Alexa Bliss to do that, as opposed to. Whatever she's doing, sat at the moment. <laughs> I kind of like, right. I kind of like what she's doing, but it, it, it's it, again, if she just did it on her own and it wasn't uh, attached to the fiend, it would have been a hell of a lot better. But because yeah, of the way like, they've done I, it, I would have loved to have seen her actually play Sister Abigail mm. and been like, right, that's the actual character. Now we know who it is, not because that fucking thing where he's on the Titan Tron just. Him wearing like a head veil or something that was fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that didn't make any sense. Like, but no, no, no. Get somebody, get Bliss to actually play Abigail. That would have been cool. But I think that's just uh, that's WWE all over these days, isn't it? Though. So yeah. I got a good little segue because obviously we were going to talk about Anvil next. Uh, well, I got yeah. a good little segue actually. So, um, the people that wrote Bray Wyatt's song, uh, the band that that 
wrote Bray Wyatt's song. You remember the original F- Wyatt family song? Yeah. Some, the, like Mellow <coughs> something about the flies, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were meant to play Anvil. Uh, really? Yeah, back in 2016, I think it was, they were meant to play Anvil. Um, and something came up with their tour where they couldn't, they couldn't come over in the end, and so it got cancelled. But yeah, we we were going to have um, the the band that played Bray Wyatt's theme music play at Anvil. That would have been cool. Which would have been amazing. That would have been wicked, wouldn't it? So turn yeah, everyone right. turning up as Bray Wyatt was, again back yeah, in the day right. when the Wyatt family were hot. <clears throat> that would have been wicked. It's you know get everyone turn up with lanterns and oh, yeah, mate, that would have been sick. You imagine them playing that song down yeah. down in the basement and just yep. lights out. <clears throat> no, all the lights the out. Yeah, it would have been amazing. Yeah, but oh well. It might still happen. You never know. Are they still going? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Well, his, his yeah, music now know. is just a converted version, isn't it? It's just yeah. I'm not. I like. <laughs> I, I like. Like I really like the look of the Wyatt family. Mm. Like I love the lamp and and. The music, it just like the aesthetic of it was brilliant. Can I just not can so I just say, did you just say that you lights. love lamp? Yeah, I suppose you could say <laughs> that's what I just said. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, Anchorman fan of me couldn't let one, that one go. I'm afraid. No, that's fine. I'll put, I'm sure I can find a clip. I'll throw that in there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would be a segue into film, but I don't think we're going to talk about. No, well, it's a segue so. into Anvil, wasn't it? If they were yeah, supposed to so play Anvil. now we're at the Anvil. So, how did the managing of the Anvil come about? Was that <laughs> something you'd always planned on doing, or was it just yeah, like we were speaking about earlier with the community thing? Yeah. You were like, well, Bournemouth needs a venue. I'll I'll do it. Um, no, I was working in um, the the illustrious King Bong. Um, I was in I two. Remember, I remember that. Yeah, place. yeah. In <laughs> yeah. two thousand eleven, I kind of quit. So two thousand and seven till two thousand and ten, um, I was doing the promo- <coughs> promotion stuff in Bournemouth the, uh, with the Gander and the Metropole. I was running a DJ night for, called In Rock We Trust for Fridays and Saturday nights. Uh, okay. at the Metropole on the Lansdowne, and then that went down in 2009. 2010, I was running Champions uh, venue up on Norwich Avenue West, and then that went is down. Is that where Zephyr is now? <clears throat> Flats now. Uh, and oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, weirdly, Keith uh, from Sound Circus lives there. Um, oh, okay. One of the converted flats. I feel like it was some kind of like victory lap for him, but there you go. That's another whole yeah. story. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, so I kind of, uh, I just needed a job, and uh, King Bong's something easy, easy to do, chilled out, obviously. Um, so I did yeah. that, uh, and then someone came in uh, who I'd met, obviously from DJing for three years, and they were like, "Oh." Um, I'm working for Buffalo over in Winton, which was a bar, a kind of like an indie student rock bar <clears throat> in Winton. And then uh, they were said uh, the owner of uh, Buffalo is opening up a new bar on the Lansdowne called the Anvil. And he wants to um, do like a blues bar. And they're looking for, he offered me the assistant manager job. But I can't take it because I, uh, I'm probably going to be going on traveling and so on and so forth. And he said, but I did put you forward for it. And he's very interested to talk to you. And I was like, well, you know what? I've been wanting to get out of, uh, you know, the bong business. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I wanted to get out of working at King Bong. And uh, right. so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come and have a chat with him. And we went and had a chat with him and uh, I spoke about it. it. Took my 
my CV, when I say a CV, I have like a photo album of all my gigs and shows and stuff I ever did. Right, as like yeah. A6 flyers in a in yeah, a I photo suppose you call that a portfolio. More yeah, it's my, I took my portfolio, yeah, basically. Yeah. And um, and we t- we chatted for a bit and he told me my his idea and I said, listen, there's something that we had in Warmoth with, the, with Metropole that we don't have anymore. And if you really want to break this and do really well with it, paint your walls red and make us a rock bar. If you want to do this. So when was this? 2010? This was 2010. 20, the end of 2011. Okay. <clears throat> I was like, look, if you want to do this, because he, he wanted it to be a blues bar. Uh, and I was like, look, if you really want, if you want to do, there's a gap in the market right now. We had a great following with the Metropole and the Gander. Um, yeah. We don't have a rock bar in Bournemouth. I was like, paint the walls red, get ro- turn it into a rock bar, and I guarantee you it will work. And he and he agreed. Uh, and I, I thank fuck you had that conversation, right, with him, mate? Right. So on behalf of a lot of a lot of bands that have cut their teeth for the Anvil, thank fuck you had that conversation because <laughs> it was going to be a blues bar. <laughs> it get well, it gets better than that. So when we joined again, when I joined, he didn't want there to be gigs. Um, he he wanted the only wanted it to be mainly just a bar. It wasn't a side of the things that he was used to, and so he just wanted it to be. Um, just a bar, uh, and I was like, "We got to do gigs," and I convinced him to begin with for it to be four gigs a month, <laughs> and uh, we've not looked back since. I think there was like uh, we did four gigs the first month, and then after that, it went up to like six, and then two years, three years down the line after that, I think we were doing like seventeen gigs a month. <laughs> so. Like, uh, and and it's you know I, the gigs are one of the things that keeps us going. We, what, the gigs is one of the things that that has made us who we are. Obviously the obviously the Anvil was synonymous with um, being a late night bar, uh, you know, with partying and whatnot. But it's the gig side of it that keeps us going, in my opinion. Yeah, every band that we've ever played with, I mean. Erica Drive love playing the Anvil. Like mm-hmm. that's we've got such a soft spot for that place. Mm. And every band that we bring from out of town and say, right, we're playing at the Anvil, they love it. Like there's never a bad word about it. Nice. So Which is, if you are listening and you're in a band, yeah. that's the place to go. If you want to play a Bournemouth show, yeah. I'll I'll leave some I don't know, I won't leave links because they'll get pestering, but Well, I mean, we're easy to find. You just if you just type in yeah. Anvil Rock Bar Bournemouth, we'll come up. Um yeah. I think it's do you know it's like so anyone for anyone who doesn't know what Anvil is, we are we're only we're actually only a hundred capacity venue, um, so we're a hundred up, hundred down basically, two hundred capacity for the building, <clears throat> so it's one hundred for the bar, one hundred for the venue. We don't so it's not it's not a huge venue. Um, you wouldn't know that by some of the the bands that have come through, but I think yeah. that's a, a that's a test a testament to a the promoters we have. B the sound men that we use, and three the the rigs that we have. So the, in the in the venue as well, we you know we do have a good setup. Um, we were yeah. we were literally in there yesterday. We're doing an inventory to re, you know reopen soon. Seventeenth of May, we're reopening. Um, we're doing it. We were down there cleaning everything up because it's been they lay in dormant for six months, so everything's gathered dust. Cleaning all the equipment, doing an inventory. And uh, even Nick, the sound man, was like, how have you got this rig in this room? 
Like, this rig is ridiculous for this room. Am I right in thinking it recently? I mean, not recently, but within the last couple... Because we, when Erica Drive first played, I'm sure we used a different rig to the one you got now. Um, Has it changed recently? 2015. Sure something changed about it. 2015, we changed yeah, it. That. We changed and the stage, like, actually. We, we, so we gutted out downstairs and made it bigger. Um, if you remember... Yeah, because there used to be like a bar or the sound booth used yeah, to be like right in the middle where yeah, the merch so stuff there used to be down. a big wall with a weird... Yeah, wolf hog. Was it, it a bar or was it yeah, just like it, it, a cupboard? It was a, it was a bar originally, with a hatch on it. We used about four times, and then it became a storage room for the band stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and then it was just kind of a storage room for us stuff anyway. And there were we were like, now nah, look, we we want more space. We'd always wanted it. We wanted more space for the stage as well. So we pulled the speakers off the stage, stood them up. Uh, so that there was more space because the speakers were the the bass speakers were led down, like oh, right. so there was only a small gap in the in between, and so we took them, flipped them upwards, so it's so that we got the height uh, with the speakers now, um, yeah. and so it made more space on the stage, and then we just uh, knocked maybe, that. Maybe that's why I'm thinking it was different. <laughs> yeah, and then just, that was 2018, around. I think, and then we knocked yeah, yeah. we knocked the wall out as well, so it made more space for the merch and stuff like that. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's... I'm gonna give a shout out to Nick who does the sound. Yeah, he's great. Well, I mean, he does the sound for the shows that Erica Drive play there. Like he's brilliant at a making things sound a lot. Well, I mean, for Erica Drive's sake, he makes it sound a lot better than we probably are. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> no, I think he's as... like that. I think uh, I would I would say that most bands would say that though, right? Yeah, you know. and as a singer <laughs> who like I wear in ears mm-hmm. and Nick nails the sound like uh, even uh, acoustic shows that i've done with nick he will always nail the sound and he's not one of these people that seems to fuck about with it while you're playing no because like i've had i've had my in-ears in and you can literally hear somebody's trying to time reverb yeah it's like you've never heard this song before mate that's really fucking distracting mm. nick yeah brilliant so good sound if you yeah if you're in bournemouth <clears throat> get nick to do your sound. he's uh well so he's he's our in-house sound guy anyway um so we always try and uh use him first we we do also have steve rmv steve of dreads uh oh yeah yeah. and steve's great as well um he's only only a small notch behind nick in my opinion and also a super lovely guy um yeah i think i've had steve do sound for a couple of shows but i'm yeah i mean yeah no disrespect to steve i just don't know him as well as i know yeah yeah i think with Nick, nick the thing with nick I don't want to go on about Nick too much because he, he he'll yeah, go on about himself. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give him. To, I don't want to make his head yeah. huge. Um, I can always cut this bit out. Yeah, please like, just yeah, cut Nick, this out. I don't. Yeah. I don't want him to use this against me forever. Yeah, we'll just be like, oh, Nick's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, that Nick guy, and then just cut it there. Um, yeah. he's a nerd when it comes to the audio stuff, man. Like, it, it, you know, when it, it, it's like talking to someone you know when you talk to someone who's massively into computers and they almost when they describe things you could imagine that they're basically talking in binary yeah when you talk to nick he's basically talking in frequencies you know so it's like everything with him is 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 about frequencies and and about you know well the the frequency of this and that and 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 you know obviously that doesn't work with this that i'm just like what what are you on about yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have to get into layman term it for me because I don't understand what he's saying. But then that's yeah, what yeah. makes it work. He knows, he knows what you know. If something's not right, as something sounds wrong, if something sounds too bassy, something sounds too trebly. He knows it's because of a, a frequency thing. Yeah, it's he did it. I, I remember there was like a 
yeah, there was a, a hiss coming from one of the fullbacks once, mm. and he came up to the mic that I was using, cupped his hands around, and he's like, "Oh, it's too high at like 500 hertz or whatever." Mm. Yeah, there you go. That's... Goes back to the desk and gets rid of it. I'm like, "How the fuck does he know?" Yeah, like, he's science. literally all he's done is put his hands around the mic. Yeah. He's like, "Oh yeah, whatever." I don't even know what 500 hertz means. Is that mm. bassy or treble? I don't know. But he would go back to the desk, cut a bit of whatever he needed to cut, and it was fine. So yeah, yeah he knows his stuff. So I guess one of the questions that I wanted to ask about the Anvil yes. is, well, I suppose, I guess it's venues in general. So you're going to have hundreds of bands come through a year. Yeah. What are, for any new bands and or old bands, you must have some pet peeves that <laughs> if a band is in your venue, so, I mean, we can go on as long as you want, or do you want to limit it? <laughs> I mean, it's entirely up to you. No, I, but, I can um, I can, so, I can give a quick rundown as to so what not to if, do. If I'm a band, I'm booked to play the Anvil, yeah. right? I don't want to upset Bear. Yeah. What do I avoid doing in your venue? Avoid doing. Okay. Yeah, so what, what what's the things like a band like avoid doing suppose, or should be doing? Um, maybe we'll do Both. a couple of each. So yeah. like band to band, if it's you're on first, ideally you want them to stay around for the whole thing. You don't want to be that band that oh we'll play and then we'll pack up and fuck off. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's so that's good, a that yeah sort of that's thing. a respect thing. So so when you're when you're cutting teeth uh, as they put it on as you're coming through. You know, you do have to pay. You you have to pay a little bit of respect. You know, you have to do. You know, sometimes you you do have to stay and and obviously support other bands, and that's all part of it. Um, but also the biggest part, whenever anyone whinges about this, when they're a band and they're like, we shouldn't have to stick around. I'm like, well, okay, it's not about that. And and if a and if a promoter has to rely on bands to fill their crowd. That's also damaging as well for the show because yeah. those people that are watching are there because they, they have to be. But but the thing that, that I always kind of impress to these bands is network. Make friends with the people that you're playing with. Talk to them. Get to know them. They're not. They're going to be from somewhere else in the country. They're going to know other people. If you network with that and you you gain a friendship, you get you gain a contact. You know, because you've stuck around, because you've paid some respect, uh, then it goes a long way. Uh, yeah, it really does. It makes a big difference. Um, to go back to one of so one of the things ba a band should do. So that is one of them. Obviously, pay your dues, <clears throat> have respect um, to the other bands, especially bands that they're playing. You know, the the headliners and stuff. One of the things bands should always do, and it's the first thing they should always do, uh, is promote. Um, yeah. It shouldn't be just left to a promoter. We don't live in a world now where a promoter can book a gig and then shout about it on the street with flyers and it make a difference. We don't live in that world anymore. Uh, we live in a very saturated world of internet and social media um, and it's a joint effort now. Everybody has to pitch in. Um, you know, if a promoter isn't doing their job, then f obviously fair enough. Uh, they should be pulled up on that. But it, it, but there should be. There's still sometimes that stigma of a band saying that they shouldn't have to promote, uh, and that's not true. Uh, yeah, I can imagine you get the bands that come through, and it's like, oh, how many tickets have we sold? Oh, five, because you've done no fucking promotion. Oh, what's the promoter been doing? Oh, he's been working his bollocks off. Yeah. But as a band, you can have... 5,000 people following your Facebook page, you haven't mentioned it once. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's when you've... 
why do you yeah exactly why do you want to be in a band why do you want to do what you want to do why do you want to why do you want to play this show if you're not even going to tell people you're doing it yeah like it doesn't make any sense like if you don't if 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 in my opinion if you don't put those things in it really shows as to whether you want it or not and and there's if you don't want it that's fine don't waste my time because there's so many other bands that will take that spot yeah. There's so many other bands that are willing to play and and willing to uh, you know to to just get their half hour just to show what they're worth that that don't have a chance to come through uh, and then once they again once they get their foot in the door and they're respectful and they do you know and they and they do a little bit of promotion and work with us not not for us but with us uh, yeah. then it goes a long way and then we're like those guys were good they were punctual their attitudes were right they did a bit of promotion it, it doesn't even matter that's i mean again it, you say about tickets it doesn't matter whether they don't don't sell tickets if they can't sell tickets because they they generally don't have a crowd yet that's fine as long as you can see that they put that effort in yeah but you know that's fine as long as you know that they're they're doing what they can to get themselves out there that's respected that that's that's noticed and respected and that's fine it's the bands that that <laughs> i mean again i don't understand how anyone really can rock up to a place like the anvil and have an ego because we're a 100 capacity venue um yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah you're, you're not you're not as much as we're loved and as much as we're a notable venue on the scene and uh, in the uk and that not we are still just a 100 capacity venue uh, and if yeah. you're going to rock up to the anvil with, with an ego, it, it's not going to it's not going to work. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Like you you, you want to go and go and sell out a thousand capacity venue down the road and maybe I'll let your ego go. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. other than that, ground yourself back to where you are, my friend. Yeah. I mean, one thing we always try and I don't know if it's it's something that you agree with or disagree with whenever we're at a venue as a band we always try and i mean if you're playing chances are you're going to get given some sort of crate of beer or whatever yeah but we'll always put money behind the bar yeah so we'll always buy drinks maybe not all of them because we've got that crate of beer to drink but yeah. we'll always try and actively put money behind the bar because we think well if we don't do that and the bar loses money or, or whatever the bar don't make enough to cover their staff costs, they're going to cut down on staff, they're going to cut down on gigs. It's going to be shit for everyone. Yeah. So even me putting a fiver behind the bar, there's f four people in my band, that's 20 quid behind the bar, then we encourage every other band to do it, so that could be 100 quid behind the bar. Yeah. So I don't know if that's... I mean, I suppose it all comes down to a respect thing. Like, yeah, you're at the venue. If you get given a crate of beer or whatever, don't think, oh, great, I don't have to pay for me fucking drinks. It's like, well... Yeah, that bar staff ain't going to pay for itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, I would, I would feed and water every person that came through that door. Um, but we're a business, and we're not a business that makes <laughs> a lot of money. We're an independent business that that kind of gets by, and we we you know the gigs are up and down, like in you know, in, in, and that's probably the same everywhere in the UK. Um, yeah. obviously it's going to be better when we come out this, the lockdown, but then we're also be going up against oversaturation because everybody will be gagging and do something. So everybody's yeah. going to be trying to have a go. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's yeah. Expectation I think is what you're saying, isn't it? And there, there shouldn't be yeah. any expectation. We don't expect people to put money over the bar. 
if I could, like I say, in an ideal world, uh, you know, I would obviously give everyone free drink and free food, but we can't, we have our overheads and, and it does always make me laugh. And it's not just as a venue, but as a promoter, there always is this uh, stigma that somehow a promoter sat on a mountain of cash uh, and, and we're, uh, we're rich and, and basically cracking the whip against the bands who are making no money. I mean, it's, it's so not true. Like most of the time promoters lose money. Uh, they're not making any money and any money that comes out of their pockets or any of the money that's going to the bands is coming out of their pockets. Now, don't get me wrong. If there's a guarantee, if you guarantee a band that you're going to pay them this and, and give them this, that's on you. You know, if you've guaranteed a band that I'm going to pay you this guarantee and beer, then you've, you've walked into a contract and that should be, that's your bad. However, if you say to a band, look, I don't know, you know, I'll be able to, if I can give you this or whatever, um, depending on the show. And, and that doesn't happen because the promoter doesn't make any money. That's that's you know you, there should there shouldn't then be that expectation. While well, we played, uh, so you need to still give us something. Uh, well, it's like well we've also not made any money and given you a platform to reach new people. So it's kind of it's it's hitting you know it's it's back and forth, isn't it? It's it's yeah you know we're, we we we're trying to. We're trying to do our thing and, and support the scene and give bands opportunities. Um, if if sometimes we can't pay because we lo- we're out of pocket because the gig's gone bad, that's we're not trying to stitch anyone up. That's just the way it is. And yeah. and if we and 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 the only way to get out of that would be to put ourselves ourselves into debt. How long is that going to be sustained for? So yeah, if, if if band, you know, it's like well. If you want us to do that as a promoter, you know, then how long before you just won't have anyone to put shows on because everyone will go out of business or bankrupt or will lose too much money to make it work, you know? Yeah. I think the last thing that I would mention, and on this goes from a ba- and I think a lot of these points just come back to the respect. If you're at a venue, respect it. Yeah. Because if it wasn't there, you ain't playing a show, mate. No. Like, and it, yeah, and, and that, yeah, it's... It does make me laugh. It's always the people that, that you never see. That as soon as there's something not there anymore, because I've gone through a few transitions now, obviously, of venues and nights disappearing and bands disappearing as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I really miss that band. Oh, I really miss that night. Or I really miss that venue. It's like, well, you weren't there when it was going. Yeah. So people always cl- like they cry over stuff that they never used. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People take things for so granted. Much. I think that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? Take, don't take things for granted. Uh, uh, support and appreciate what you have when you have it. Um, and if the pandemic has taught us anything, it, it was literally shown us that because one minute it can be there and the next minute it won't be. Yeah, I mean, you'll only um, miss it, it when it's gone. Yeah, because there's a lot of venues and bands that are coming out of this pandemic that, that, that aren't coming out of this pandemic, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of bands Loads. that have broken up because of it. There's a lot of because the band members have decided they don't want to carry on doing music anymore. There's a lot of venues that have not survived. I mean, you know, there's there's still venues out there now that are on the the red list uh, through the music venue trust, what they call uh, that are in danger of losing their premises um, because of everything because of not getting grants. We we applied, so get this, we applied for a, a cultural grant to reinvest into our loss of earnings 
for the last year and a bit. And we yeah. were told that we were not culturally significant enough Fuck's sake. to be accepted. Which is crazy oh. considering the amount of international national bands that come through the door with us, what we provide for the local area um, yeah. and everything for, and so on and so forth to be told that we're not culturally, a, a, you know, it's it's like oh okay it's, it's crazy because like even if you get because i mean some of the bands that i know at least okay, dom's put on there yeah. some of those bands you're thinking they could have probably gone across the road yeah. to a fire station yeah. but then are you going to put them like if there's any question do you want to put them in a fire station and have like a, a three-quarter capacity show yeah. or put them in the anvil and Sold it's going to be yeah. fucking packed and then even if you do a matinee or something and do two shows well one perfect example of this was cancer bats um yeah. so cancer bats originally played anvil back i think when it was um ibar and then they came back again some years later and they played bournemouth again but they played the old fire station and when they played the old fire station the last time, they were like, how come we're not, why are we not playing over there? We want to play in that small venue again. Yeah. So when they came out the next time, they came and played Anvil. And they were like, oh, we're so, we're so happy to be back. And of course, by then, now, Ibar, no offense to Ibar, but they weren't really set up properly as a venue. Um, yeah, yeah. More, more as a basement with, a, with the potential to play live music, put live music on. Whereas we've obviously, you know, like I said, with my rig, our rig and stuff, we've... We've gone full hog with it. So they were like, oh, man, this is like it's like what it was before, but even better now because you got like proper yeah. monitors and proper yeah, PA. You're ready and, for it. and it was, just, it was such a good show. And it, it, again, yeah. bands like Beartooth. Beartooth coming through and look at Beartooth now. Yeah, huge. Berry Tomorrow did. I mean, Berry even Tomorrow. when Berry Tomorrow were massive, they did the uh, stage invasion tour. They did, yeah. And they had, because they did a matinee as well. Didn't yeah, they, they did too. And then Heart of a Coward, another one. Yeah, who are obviously doing very well now, and yeah, it was. Oh, I suppose A A played there. A too. Yeah, uh, yeah, and look, Kid Bookie as well. I'm. I've been pestering Dom to get while she sleeps there. I think that would be fucking insane. That would be amazing. Imagine getting while she sleeps now. That would be amazing. They're the type yeah. of band that would play at Anvil as well. A hundred percent. Then they'd play there and fucking love it. Look, like, they're very much um, ground like roots. Uh, ground roots ven- uh, band yeah. themselves, aren't they? They uh, they yeah. don't. They're not Mate. assigned to a record label. Yeah. They run their own st- show and yeah. The the like the work ethic of that band. I think any band should aspire to have that. I would one hundred percent agree on that. Like they put in so much effort. Yeah, and they clearly love what they're doing. But they're so like everything is. They just put so much effort into it. Yeah, like, they do it right, don't they? I mean, a hundred percent to 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 get where they are almost off their own back without like record labels and stuff is very yeah. is very commendable yeah yeah i would yeah so one more thing i was going to say is and it goes band to band band to sound engineer band to venue don't nick shit like <laughs> i i i remember i showed up i think Nambu that's like once. a life a life yeah a, li- a life advice shit. in general right because I showed up to a show once and in my bag, I'd forgotten the kettle lead for my, my amp head. Yeah. And I went to Nick and I'm good friends with Nick. So I said, look, can I borrow one, mate? I'll give it back. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I, like, I don't lend them to people. And I can imagine that people do think, oh, fuck, I've forgotten that. I've got three more shows. I can't be asked to go to a music shop and buy one. Yeah. I'm not coming back to this venue. I'll fucking pocket it. Yeah, don't do that. That's what. Don't do that. That, that, that does happen, yeah. 
Like, don't just don't do it. And if you break something, admit you broke it and pay for it. It's the people like, that turn up. It's the bands and people that turn up with nothing, man. That's why it makes it cracks me up when you know when you you turn a band or you turn you know you promote a show, you talk to the bands, you're like right. Um, and again, this isn't something that that should that has to happen, but we do it because it we're a small venue. And it always makes sense, and it's kind of the it's the written rule as uh, as a gig goes anyway, and that everybody kind of shares backline, and whether that be our in house backline or or the the headliners if they want to use their own stuff, but it's mad you, the amount of bands that turn up and they don't even have a guitar head, like some of the uh, stories yeah. I've heard where they turn up and they're like, "Can I borrow your guitar head?" or "Can I some yeah. some guys even like, "Can I borrow your guitar?" Yeah, like I don't understand what? how you don't organise backline before the date. Like I occasionally get it. Like if you've bought a cab and there's a cab on stage, go and say, look, rather than putting both up there, should we should we share? Yeah, it mainly like, happens with the drum that. kit, doesn't it? It's like the yeah, drum kit's the biggest part of taking up yeah. space. And if and if a headliner agrees to share the kit, it's a blessing because it's like, oh, yeah. we don't have to put organise your fucking backline yeah. before you show up at the venue and bring your own guitar because <laughs> because it's a personal thing me, anyway. Yeah. If anyone ever said to me, can I borrow your guitar? I'll be like, you ain't fucking playing a show because you're not having this. No, right? Like, you do, it's a personal yeah. thing. You, like, you grow an attachment to an instrument. Um, yeah, like, for me, an amp is an amp. Like, if you break it, I'll get another one. Yeah. My guitar, if you fucking break this, yeah. I'm breaking your it's neck. It's attached like, to your hands, isn't yeah. it? It's a, it's a personal yeah. thing, you know? It's, it's part of your stage. It's part of your, I suppose, your stage costume. Exactly. Like, it's an extension your of yourself. Back, no one really sees that. Yeah, though. it's literally an extension of yourself isn't it the guitar you, yeah, you're mate. holding it as an extension whereas the obviously the the amp and stuff as well don't get me wrong that costs like a thousand pounds sat oh, yeah, behind pricey, you and, but... and if that gets dropped or not or whatever then that's a, a very expensive mistake but there is a certain attachment you gain with a yeah. guitar yeah uh, this... your guitar is your identity yeah i agree Right, mate, so I've realised that we've been talking for nearly two hours, so I'm going to start winding this down because I've got to <laughs> shoot off. But it's been lovely to talk to you. I've got three quick-fire questions, okay? Cool. So I'm not going to ask you to rank them because I think ranking music doesn't really work. Okay. So your top five bands at the moment. At the moment? Yeah. Okay. Gajira? Yep. Loathe? Um, there's a band called Urn which uh, people probably don't know about, the guys from Chapters and Hang the Bastard. Uh, okay. State number eight, who are now called Stake. Uh, so that's, is that three? Uh, four. That would be four. four. Conjurer. Yeah, one more. Conjurer. Conjurer. Be the fifth. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm putting together a playlist for every guest that comes on Shape Through Fake Podcast. We're putting together a playlist. Cool. It's got a set of rules, so where I'm going to get a, an eclectic mix of people on from different genres, mm -hmm. they're putting one song on a playlist. Rule of this playlist is you can play it on shuffle, but you have to listen to it. You can't skip anything. Okay. Because I want to try and get lots of genres in people's ears. Like it or lump it, music's objective. So you might dislike a song, but somebody else, it might be their favourite song. So what song are you going to put on this playlist? <laughs> um, I'm going to put a song on because uh, it kind of ties into my my music taste and also with the gaming because I used to always put this on whenever I was playing New Vegas and I used to spawn a Deathclaw. Uh, okay. And that would be Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Okay. <laughs> Return of the Mac. Cool. I'm writing that down because I ain't going to remember it. <laughs> All right. Last question, mate, before we wrap this up. No worries. So 
England's brought back capital punishment, and unfortunately, <laughs> you're getting you're on the chop. Okay, right. Night before, you've got your last meal. Start a main dessert and drink. What are you having? <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> you can have whatever you want. What I am I the having? Only rule I'm putting on this. What am I having? Is okay, you have to be able to eat it. I don't want leftovers. Okay, so I'll go for a starter of peanut butter on toast. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go for a main meal of roast. Yep. Um, uh, I'll go. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'll say roast pork uh and dessert would be something that's like like a like a cinnamon cinnamon and sultanery a cinnamon sultana apple cake uh nice yeah what like that would be the dessert and the drink (sighs) hmm can I? Can I? I'll can I? Two, can I? Can, have, can I have? You cheat? can have an alcoholic. Can I? You can have an alcoholic and non-alcoholic. I oh, can I have an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic. Yeah, I'll change the rules for you. That's the first time oh, I've allowed shit. this, but for you, you can have one of each. Okay, I'll go. Yeah, this is perfect then. So I'll go with that. So I've right at the end with my dessert. I will. Have, I'm gonna have my apple sultana cinnamon cake with a side of bourbon whiskey shot on the rocks nice all right and a coffee okay that's that then mm. lovely stuff i mean I, I i've not got into asking people how they want to be executed because it didn't seem appropriate <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I would like to be drowned because it's supposed to be euphoric when you die when you drown so there you go there we go then. I don't think that's going to become a regular question, but you've answered it anyway. So, <laughs> right, mate. Thank you very much for taking the time thank to you for uh, having have me. a chat with me, mate. I really appreciate it. Uh, Anvil reopens May seventeenth. Is it? Yep, Monday, May seventeenth. Yeah, if you want to get, if you want to come down, make sure you go onto our Facebook page, send us a message, and get the bookings because we're, we're going to be taking bookings. It's table service for the first month, isn't it? So, yeah. And anyone listening to this, Erica Driver playing there on August twenty seventh. Yes, you Friday, are. And I'm so. looking forward to seeing you guys back in the Anvil. I'm confident we're going to sell out this time. Good. We've got very close twice now. I think the last time we did it, we did 94. Yeah, you did really well. And uh, I'm you, you do it right as well, which is uh, commendable. So well done, you. Thanks, mate. So I will, well, I mean, I'm going to see you before then. But yeah, so April, uh, April, fucking May 17th, Anvil reopens. Twitch.tv forward slash pair essentials with a Z. Yep. Uh, streaming Sunday and Tuesday. Yep. And, then, and we are over on the Bloodstock page, yeah, which, which is, is the bear pit yeah, on Blood, Thursdays. And that's Bloodstock. Oh, no. Sorry. Yeah. Bloodstock Fest is the handle for yeah, Twitch yeah. on that. I'll leave links and stuff because I'm going to throw this up on the YouTube. Amazing. So I'll leave links in there. Thank you, man. Right, mate. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh, make sure you tune into the show every time he puts it out because Matt's a legend. Nice one, mate. Thank you very much for talking to me, Matt, and I'll see you soon. No worries. Thanks, man. Take it easy, Bear. See you later.